Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. something for I guess a little while that I've wanted to speak on and um, I just hadn't did it so I want to do it today and my title that I'll use is the authority the authority and Paul when he was speaking to Timothy he told him he said Timothy you've got to keep that which has been committed to thy trust. One thing you have to do is guard the trust. That which I've committed unto you, you have got to watch out for. You have got to receive it. You've got to guard it. And you can't, whatever you do, you can't compromise it. You have got to keep it pure and keep it holy. And you must preserve it. He's telling him. So we know that we have been commissioned by the Lord by the apostles and we have been commissioned to keep this doctrine to keep it holy to keep it pure and one um, this past weekend uh, I had uh, the privilege to baptize a couple at, um, at the jail and they brother Fears and brother Polk had been ministering to them and one thing that I made them absolutely clear on and I just told him point blank. I said, you are not being baptized because we think you should be baptized. And they looked at me like I was getting a little strange on them. I said, I mean that with everything that's in me. You're not being baptized because we think you should be baptized. 
you are being baptized because it is a command in the Bible. We're not giving you our philosophy. We're not telling you something. In other words, you're not basing your salvation on us, on our human wisdom or knowledge or philosophy. It is based on the word of God, and that's what we want you to base it on. And I told him, I said, you know, that this is what we base it on is the word of God. So that is what we want to do. Everything we do is based on God's word. It is not literally what we think or say or do, but everything has to be judged by this benchmark. So if you will, I just want to start here. I just want to mention this passage, St. John 18. This is where Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, does not record this, but John does. Uh, in Luke, excuse me, in John 18, I'll just read one through six. When Jesus had spoke these words, he went over forth with his disciples over the brook, uh, the brook Cedron, where was a garden in which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come forth upon him, went forth and said unto him, Whom seek ye? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And, Jesus, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now, I fully believe this was not a wow moment by the Lord. He did not do this trying to impress them, I would say. This was not this. But what this was, was the second Adam in the garden. We know of the first Adam, but here is the second Adam in the garden that he is trying to overcome the flesh. And we know at this point, the decision's already been made. God has already prayed to prayer, Father, let this cup pass from me. That decision's already been made. The flesh has already been overcome. God has already settled this. The flesh was not going to win. So when Judas come there, I believe when the Lord said, I am, now the word he in, the, in your Bible was added. Jesus said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he said, I am, literally what that was, they just literally approached, literally, Jehovah of the Old Testament. Because, and the reason they fell backwards is because of the deity that was in the Lord. So it, it was not, it was Jesus speaking as Jehovah, literally. But literally, what we can't forget is here is a group of men led by Judas. He got the soldiers, they come to the Lord. And you would think when all of a sudden, when they had a ground level view of the Lord, that they would have said, you know what? Something's different. Something's wrong here. With just the authority of the word of God, we are laying on our back. We should second guess this. But the enemy would not. Just the authority of the Lord. Now, he is our example. And I believe what we can gain from this, not that we want to knock anybody over, but what we do want to do is defeat the enemy. So I believe that any time we can get ourselves alone and hide ourselves long enough to truly overcome this flesh, 
that I believe that there's nothing left but the authority of the Lord. And he would shed this authority with us and delegate this authority with us because I believe literally that's what happened. Because when the Lord said, I am, they come fully to the ancient of days. When God said, I am, that authority went forth and that's what they fell over from. That's what they went backward to. So it was the full authority of the Lord that was present with them. Now, turn with me if you would. I want to go to Revelation and I want to speak to um, Revelation 3. And let's look at the, um, the Bible says that this is the last church that the Lord spoke to. Now, one thing to remember when you are reading in Revelation in 2 and 3 on the, the letters to the churches, do not view this as God speaking to a sinner. He is not. He is speaking to the saints. He is speaking to those and don't get confused about what the church is. He is speaking to those that had took his name, that was baptized in his name. So he is speaking to an apostolic church. I'm not putting no title on that. He is speaking to his church. All through these churches, and I believe, and most people do, that the churches, they are, they are two ways you can look at this, and I agree with both of them that each church represents a time period in life, and I believe that. But I believe we can gain uh, insight from each church that can be dealt with, but I believe that uh, the church of the Laodiceans, that it is our time frame, and most everybody agree that that church began around, in the time frame, around 1900, and that's going to be until the Lord comes. So what we are... Living, we are living in the time of this church that this is what the Lord spoke to. Now the Lord, before we even read this, God had nothing good to commend this church about. Nothing. This is the day and the hour in which we live. We cannot forget this. This is the time in which we live. This is God speaking to the church of our time. So God, and, and when he was speaking to this, so do from uh, verse 14 to 22, he is speaking to the saints. He's not speaking to no sinner. He is speaking to us. So he said, unto the angel of the church of the latest sins write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou wast cold or hot. <coughs> Excuse me. So, then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hard, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest thou not that thou art and have need of nothing and knowest that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thyself, that they mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open to me, I will come in and will sup with him, and he with me. 
To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Number one, God is going to speak. It doesn't matter what the time frame, what's happening, what's happening in this life. God is going to speak to his church. Now, in 14, he says, the faithful and true witness, we know God is the beginning of the creation of God. This lets us know from the very beginning, God's telling them, the beginning of the creation of God. God said, I was there. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. God said, I was there. We know he was there because that spirit inhabited Jesus Christ. He's saying, I am the beginning of the creation of God. So, so we know that this is Jesus Christ in him speaking. He was Jehovah. And then he says in 15, I know your works. He said, I don't want you to be cold or hot. He said, therefore, I will not leave you like you are. You can't be cold or you can't be hot. I'm not willing to leave my church in this state. I won't do it. 16, he says, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So now, spew is vomit, and I hate to say it like that, but literally that's what it means. God said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I see that in two ways. God is saying, because you are lukewarm, us, the saints, don't look at nobody else. I'm talking to us. God said, if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth, meaning this to me. I'm going to expel you from the body. Now, God always does this. He takes a natural to make a spiritual point. So when he says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, what is his mouth? Is his word. So I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, meaning I'm going to expel you from the body. And number two, what is his mouth? Is his word. Is his authority. You are fixing to lose your authority with me. My name that you hold so dear, you are in danger of losing because I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You're taken. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You're the authority that you hold so dear in my name, you are fixing to lose. So he tells them, I will do this. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And then 17, this, if this don't describe America, I don't know. Um, they look at it through natural eyes. They say, look, I'm rich. I've got everything I need. You, uh, uh, or God must be blessing me. I have literally, our bank accounts is full. We, we've just got everything we need. And God said, no, all you're looking at it is through natural eyes. You're not looking at it through spiritual eyes. And God said, that is where you are going wrong. In 18, this is what I found unique. He said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Now, literally, you don't put mine gold is placed in the furnace, not to destroy it, but to purify it. And God said, buy of me, buy of me gold tried in the fire. Now, look, listen, God is rebuking them just continually. But he stops and he says, buy of me. He didn't say, you go through a trial. We speak of us going through a trial. God didn't say that. He said, buy of me. Now, how can we buy of gold? How can we buy of God gold? And I believe it's like this. The faith 
that God has already given us exercise our faith in God is the only way we could buy gold of God. And that's why he's saying, because if you will buy of me gold tried in the fire, he's telling us what you would gain of me has already been proven. You ain't gonna get nothing from me that hadn't been tried already. It is pure, it is holy. And if you will receive it from me, it is nothing like you will gain in the world. What else? Whatever you could find out there is just fleeting and it's not gonna last. God said, if you would forget that, seek me, invest in me, buy of me, what I have is pure and it will last. God said it is. It's already tried. It's tried in the fire as God put it himself. That would be rich. That would be rich. And he said, buy of me. And then he says that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. I see this as the covering. He said, the shame of your nakedness. Here they think their sins are covered. They are not. The shame of their sins are exposed. God said, the shame of your nakedness is exposed. You think they're covered, but they're not. They are exposed. And God says, your sins needs to be covered, and they are not. Their sins was literally exposed. 19. Now, this is mercy, as many as I love and rebuke and chasten. And God says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. God will not leave us alone. When we do wrong, he tells us, he reminds us, he touches us, he just gives us the conviction that we need to repent. And when we feel that, we need to repent because God in his mercy has given us a space of time to repent. This is mercy. Now, verse 20. I know this is, verse 20 has been, has been locked so long as the sinner standing, at, standing knocking at the door. I'm not throwing rocks at that, but I'm telling you, this was not wrote to a sinner. The saints had locked, at the saints at Laodicea in our day, in our time right now, has locked God out of the church. And it ain't talking about them doors. It's talking about these doors right here. Here they thinking like, man, we had church today and God said, you didn't even invite me. You had church and you thought it was good and I wasn't even there. God said, I knocked on your heart the whole time you was in there and you wouldn't even as much as open the door. And God said, I stand at the door and knock. And if you would open, I would come into you. Now that what he's talking about was sup with you. If you look that up in the Jewish part, that is the evening meal. That is the time when they just forcibly slowed life down and they took and had the evening meal. That is what the, this is relating to is the evening meal. God said, I will come into you because the substance that you're feeding yourself with is not going to last. God said, let me come in because the substance that I will give you has of lasting value. What you're feeding yourself with will not last. And God said, you're not letting me in. I stand at the door and knock. But yet, if any man hear my voice, just let me in. God said, my church literally has locked me out. And they don't even hear me knocking. And in verse 20, he says, that is what I want to do. And God not, literally, this is mercy. God said, I'm not wanting just to come in. I'm wanting literally to feed you with the substance that you need. I am wanting to settle you, to give you what you need. I am wanting to do this. 21 is a promise 
like we've never seen. In 22, it just says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Jesus is speaking to the churches. He is going to speak. He is speaking. And here he tells here he tells the church at Laodicea, you have got to realize I am speaking. This is the time of Laodicea. He is speaking and he is going to speak. Now, I want to go, if you would, turn with me in Hebrews and just back up just a little bit to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, and we... What I want to do is... Let's just read. I'm going to read 4 through 17. Hebrews 10, 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. For when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he says, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hath pleasure uh, therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also it is witness to us. For after that he saith before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, this is the writer of the Hebrews. He's telling us about the Old Testament, bringing it up to the Lord, being the sacrifice, and literally... When you think of all the gallons of blood, all the bulls and the goats that was sacrificed in the Old Testament, and he says, this was never about that. What the schoolmaster has taught us, it, this was a type to bring us to, as we read, thou hast prepared for me a body. This was a type to bring us to, this was done, everything to point us to the crucifixion. It was never about the blood of bulls and goats, the writer tells us. All of this was done for the sacrifice, the one sacrifice that would be done. But you think about all the thousands of sacrifices that was made in the Old Testament. 
And it all was done for Calvary, to point the people to Calvary. Everything, everything was done. And as God was going to be the perfect sacrifice, he was going to be the perfect sacrifice for sin, he was going to be born, and he was going to do this. One of their most holy days was Yom Kippur. Oddly enough, it's, it's uh, October the 12th. This Wednesday is Yom Kippur. But it says that I thought about this, and this is one thing I want to say, and this is me. Stay with me in this now. In the Bible, there is a precedent set that which God established from the very beginning, how I told you that uh, darkness can never overcome light. That is established. That's a rule of God. It can never be changed. There is another precedent that is established in the Bible that can never be changed, but our world has run rampant with it. And what I want to do is share what I believe that to be. The Bible says on this most holy day, Yom Kippur, atonement, if you look up the word, it means kipper, basically. What it means is to cover. Because the high priest would go in and on that day he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat seven times. I know that I've talked about this, but one thing he would do is seven days before the day of atonement, the priest would leave his house He would not return to his house. He would stay at the temple. The priest there would help him go through every ordinance there was to do. Because listen, God would not tolerate a mistake when it come to this. You did it right, lest you die. That is Bible. So the priest, they would help him. They would go through every part of the Day of Atonement. So he was there... He cleansed himself. He had a, um, a ritual he went through on the Day of Atonement. Now, on the actual day, he washed and bathed no less than five times. Changed complete clothing five times. He washed his hands and his feet ten times. So what this meant, this is the high priest. And, and I try to drive that home. Not that you don't understand it, but a priest was not allowed to do this. Only the high priest. For the reason being is because when he went into the Holy of Holies, because the principle it established, because God said, I will dwell between the cherubims. The presence of God dwelled there. In there was the law, the manna, and the staff. But my point is the presence of God covered the law. And what I say, the schoolmaster did this pointing to a fact that you could not separate the presence from the law that I believe was established in doing this. They went in, everything was done correctly. The priest went in and did this. Now, everything had to be done correctly. Now, I do not want to offend nobody here. But bring us up to our day. The church world in general 
says it like this. We can take, and you have spirit, and I don't want to use the word of, the, of this movement, but we have a movement today that says, I'll take the spirit, but you will put no law on me. What they don't realize and what I'm trying to get you to see is look what God demanded in the Old Testament of the schoolmaster. Everything, everything was pure and holy. And when they say, I'll take the spirit, but you will put no law on me, they don't realize if it was not for the law of grace, they would already be destroyed. And flip that around. You have some that goes pharisaical with it. I will take the law, but I don't want no spirit. And what I say, if you, if you mess with this and you try to separate the spirit from the law, you will pay with your life. You cannot separate. John 1 and 1 confirms this, tells us literally God and his word are not to be separated. You cannot separate them. We live in a world, how many times has our own children been told, well, they speak in tongues and they don't have to do this. They don't realize. The church don't realize that they're referring to just what they're messing with, just how dangerous of what they're messing with. God said, you mess with this and I will take your life. So we live in a world that is so rampant today. I'll take this, but this I'll leave. You can't separate it. You can't. And if it wasn't for grace, they would be dead already. I know that's hard, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. You cannot separate the presence of God from the word of God. You have to accept it like it is. God established this. And this is how it is. We have people, it is everywhere in our land, in our world, it's being preached. And in my eyes, I'm already this deep, but in my eyes, I think the people are deceived. Because really and truly, God is merciful now, and they say, what of grace? Yes, this is the dispensation of grace. And what that means is God has given us a space of time to repent. That is the reason. That is the reason. In my eyes, they do not understand the schoolmaster. And just pardon me for the way that sounds. If that sounds arrogant, I, I apologize. But you cannot. The schoolmaster established this. You can't separate the presence from the word. If you did or tried to, you pay with your life. It set a president that was there. You cannot do it. You can't do it. Now, John tells us also that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, the advocate here, advocate and comforter in the Bible is the exact same word. When Jesus looked at them in his flesh and he said, I will go away, but I will send you another comforter. Speaking of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So the advocate, that he is speaking of. If any man sin, we have an advocate. It's not God, the Son, trying to convince God the Father to forgive us. 
It is the Spirit of God who sees things in real time, looking at the body of Jesus Christ and said, I will forgive you for the sake of the Lamb of God. So that is the advocate. That is the forgiveness that we have in the Lord. So in verse 16, he says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not only going to give them the physical law, but I'm going to write my law in them. I'm going to put my law in them. And so I believe literally we have to get to the point as Paul when he just literally got to the point that he told God, you have, you have got, you have got to take this from me. And literally, you've got to take this from me. I can't handle it. But literally, God told Paul, he said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. And then he said, you know, uh, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then he went on to say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And then really and truly, we can't receive God's strength until we know our weakness. And that's when, when we come to the realization that I cannot literally do this on my own, that in my human weakness, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I need the spirit of the Holy Ghost in me to help me to overcome. That is when I know that. That is when God's strength can be perfected in my human weakness. Because literally, literally, it's this. Salvation is God's righteousness imputed unto us. Look as holy as you want to, you had a spiritual rap sheet. Literally, it is the cleansing of our account. That is God putting his righteousness toward, toward us. I just read a while ago where it said that we would be sanctified. Now, sanctification is God imparting his righteousness toward us. And that is done through the Holy Ghost. He said, I will write my laws into them. So that which you thought, and then when we stand and, and someone literally, or if you have stood and say, I just, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Well, welcome to the club. Neither could I. But God said, it's when you can stand and say, I can't do this. God has said, in your weakness will my strength be perfected because that's what I want literally you to get to, till you realize that you just cannot do it within yourself because that is when my divine strength will be perfected in your human weakness. And that's what God wants because it is accomplished by the Spirit. It is the imparting, the imparting of his righteousness to us. He is going to do it. He is going to give it. And at times, we just say, we just say um, among ourselves, you know, God, I just need your strength. That's all God's been waiting on. God said, if you would just ask, if you would just ask, because life, life sometimes can be hard in this Christian life. But God said, all I'm wanting you to do is realize it's what I will do. And then when you look to me, look towards me, you know, that's when I can help. You know, just because, just because we live in the land and the time of Laodicea doesn't mean we have to be made subject to it. Because God said, if you would just listen, I am going to speak. I am going to speak to my church. I have my beloved. You are my bride. 
And in my bride, I have invested everything. I literally have invested everything. So you are my church and my beloved. So they are the ones that's going to receive the strength because I believe that is the reason that Paul told us that we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to ask our musicians if they would to come. Praise God. I appreciate what the Lord is going to do for us. And at times when we seem we can't make it, God has made a way for us to make it. Hallelujah. And I thank him for it. I thank him for his love and affection and strength. Hallelujah. I praise him for it. Hallelujah. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.